Thank you for listening to Data Science at Home podcast with Francesco Gadaleta. You are about to get cutting edge insights from the people who are reshaping the world of technology with machine learning, data science, and artificial intelligence. It's time for Data Science at Home. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to another episode of Data Science at Home podcast. I'm Francesco, podcasting from the regular office of Leuven in Belgium. I hope everyone is safe there. We are still under this pandemic and uh, still working from home, still uh, isolated, confined, whatever you call it, and hopefully still safe and healthy. First of all, I want to thank everyone for being here and for listening to this new episode. In uh, this episode, I would like to speak about something that goes beyond machine learning and artificial intelligence. It's more related to statistics, which is forecasting under uncertain conditions. Now, why I'm saying this is because this topic, in fact, applies to pretty much any model, pretty much any predictive approach that you might be using for your particular uh, use case. And uh, it goes beyond machine learning and data science because indeed it's more of a statistical evaluation of uh, what is good and what is not whenever you have to forecast under uncertainty. So one of the biggest problems that I found among the community practitioners and uh, data scientists as well is uh, dealing with uncertainty. And, you know, you cannot avoid the fact that whatever you are predicting, of course, will be affected by a certain degree of uncertainty. This goes, of course, across domains and regardless the method that you are using for uh, performing that particular prediction. And one of the biggest problems is that whenever there is uncertainty, there is the tendency from people to, you know, kind of take the average of something. And so if you have kind of, you know, two extremes and you have some choice to, you know, between these two extremes, what people usually do is they take the middle point. And uh, sometimes this works very rarely, to be honest with you. Many other times this not only doesn't work, but also gives a very extreme outcome in the prediction that you are performing. And so average assumptions can in fact lead to extreme outcomes, which sounds kind of counterintuitive, but it is uh, exactly like that. And I will show in, uh, in the course of this episode why is that uh, with a numerical example. So in order to give you a very brief explanation of why is um, not really right to consider the average of something, let me give you this example that uh, uh, everyone could recognize in. So imagine you have some cash, right? So this is about savings. So it's a bit of kind of a financial example, but you know it applies to our domestic expenses and our daily life. So imagine we have some cash, for example, 50,000 euro dollars. Let's make euros. Let's also assume that uh, uh, the expenses per month that we usually have are between 2,000 and 3,000 euros. And uh, we also assume that our income per month is between 500 and 1,000. So I repeat, is expenses per month between 2,000 and 3,000. Let's say that you have uh, to pay a rent, plus you go to the restaurant a couple of times, definitely not during this period. Please don't go to the restaurant, even if you find them open. And the income per month is between 500 and 1,000. Then you have also to consider what is called the return in a year uh, about that cash that you have at the bank. And, you know, the bank gives you usually some interest. And after one year, uh, you know, depending on which bank or depending if you have an investment that it's not just, you know, letting your money sitting at the bank. But let's assume that the return on that cash per year is between one and four percent. 
right? If I asked you, what's your runway? Like, how long are you going to survive on average in these conditions? And uh, your answer would be, in the best case scenario, you would survive for about 54, 55 months. In the worst case scenario, you would, uh, you would survive uh, about 20, 21 months. And uh, on average, you would survive 28 months. Now, these are three extremes, in fact, that we are taking, you know, the worst case, the best case, and the average case, according to the fact that, indeed, uh, we are considering, you know, in the worst case scenario, you would consider the highest expense every month. So every month you spend 3000 um, Every month you gain 500 So that's the minimum. And, uh, of course, the return per year is always 1%. And in the best case scenario, however, you would spend the minimum, so 2000 you would gain the maximum, which is 1000 and you would have as a return uh, the maximum uh, interest rate, which is 4%. So, you know, these are the two extremes. And then you would consider a third case, which is the average, in which you say, okay, I don't know if I'm going to spend 2000 or 3000 so let's say 2500 And I don't know if I'm going to gain 500 or 1000 let's say 750 and of course, the return is going to be 2.5%, right? Because we don't know if it's one or four, and so we take the average. So this is the way people usually deal with um, probabilities and statistics. You know, whenever they cannot explain uh, how likely it is to be in the first extreme, for example, the best case, and or in the second extreme, which is the worst case scenario, then they say, okay, I'm going to cut it to average, and so I'm going to just consider, uh, you know, the mean of everything. Now, I'm telling you, if you consider the best case scenario, of course you are, and you're planning your life according to the best case scenario, you're probably doing one of the most terrible mistakes in your life, at least in terms of finances, because of course, you know, if something goes wrong, those 54 months, they will never happen, right? Because you just need one month out of the 54 that things don't really go perfectly, and so that 54 months already become 55, 56, or 60, depending on how long this situation perpetuates in, in time. And on the other side, if you consider the worst case scenario, you are also being kind of, you know, very conservative, because that means that every month things go wrong. Every single month. So every single month you make 500, uh, 500 euros, every single month you spend 3,000, and every single month in the, in the whole year, so you have, you know, every, every single month of the 12 months that you have in a year, you always make 1%, which means that your investment is probably terrible the whole year. So this is also unlikely to happen, right? Because you are considering an extreme. And, uh, and so you would say, so, well, I, I was right when I considered the average case, which was um, 28 months. And uh, even there, I'm showing you that this is a very conservative case because uh, you are being too pessimistic. So why is this very common among people? It's because people cannot reason about probability. And uh, it is very difficult for an individual to reason in terms of, you know, probability and statistics and distributions. And so in our head, 
there is no such a concept like the skewness of a distribution or uh, the fat tail or you know or improbable events there's no such a thing there is only one number that we try to associate to some form of likelihood or you know probability of something to happen and so we say okay this number summarizes my belief in for this event to happen and unfortunately, that one number is not sufficient most of the time. That's, that's not sufficient to, in fact, explain the complexity of that probabilistic event to happen or not. This is why I believe that uh, when you have to think in probabilistic terms, you have to let an algorithm do it for you. And uh, this is the main reason why I'm a strong believer of, of, for example, Bayesian statistics, because it does exactly that. It sets up the so-called priors, which are the ways that you believed, you know, the statistical properties of your initial belief, the prior belief, and then you let a, you know, machine calculate via sampling. We will see that later. Uh, but in fact, it's an algorithm that calculates how many times a particular event is likely to occur under those conditions. In order to explain you why the average scenario is always not the most appropriate one for many use cases, let me give an example. The example in uh, you know software engineering, when you have to uh, engineer a certain task, and so you have like let's say you have ten people uh, in your team, and uh, you assign each task to one uh, software developer, right? So this is a very common example. And we should say, okay, I have to break down my problem into 10 tasks. Now let's assume that the problem is so simple that it can be broken down into 10 tasks that can go all in parallel. Uh, so nothing depends on anything. They can be assigned each of them to um, one particular software developer and they can start all together and so when the last person has completed his task, uh, you know, the project is completed. So this is a very simple case, of course, but it's just for the sake of this explanation and conversation. So let's assume you have 10 tasks, 10 people. Now, let's assume also that the average time to complete the single task is, let's say, one week. How long would it take for this project to terminate? Well. If there are 10 people that can go all in parallel and nobody gets stuck, well, then it means that the entire project can be completed in exactly one week. Now, the problem is that the probability of at least one out of the 10 events to take a bit longer than a week is very, very high, right? Because, you know, things can happen. And so not only that, things can happen on one project in, in, in particular, but if you have 10 of these tasks, well, then it means that the probability of any of the tasks to fail, uh, and so the project to fail, is 10 times the probability of the single task to fail or, or not to meet that deadline, right? If you break the, the project down into 100 tasks, this probability is even higher because it's 100 times the probability that the single task does not meet the deadline. And this is the simple reason why majority of the projects, especially when there is a Scrum Master in uh, data science projects, most of the time these projects never meet the deadline because especially in data science, the projects are fragmented in so many tasks that it is very, very difficult to believe that all the tasks will indeed terminate according to their own deadline. So what does this conclude? Well, this concludes that if I take the average, 
you know, it doesn't really lead to average outcomes. So don't expect that because you are taking the mean or you are taking an average or you are summarizing the complexity, the statistical complexity of the single task, don't expect that this simplification will be mirrored and reflected in a simplification of the outcome. Quite the opposite, in fact. Of course, if you take extreme assumptions, they can lead to even more extreme outcomes for obvious reasons. And so what's the answer to this? Like, how do we solve a problem like this one? Like, we never estimate, we never consider likelihood and probability of events, we just give up? Of course not. So there are many ways of, of solving problems of this type, and one in particular that works pretty well is simulation. So simulation is a very interesting approach that allows one to indeed simulate an event or a series of events under certain conditions in which you can take, for example, the extreme values of these conditions and then you let a computer, an algorithm, try or explore all the possible scenarios between these extreme cases and then measure, after the simulation is done, how many times that particular event occurred and how many times that particular event did not occur or occurred under different outcomes that you definitely did not consider and so you can conclude, okay, this event is very likely to, to occur, and so I'm going to believe that uh, this scenario is quite common. Under this methodology, in fact, you can solve a lot of problems, probabilistic problems out there, from finance, from, uh, of course, uh, planning, project planning, logistics, and many more. Because, in fact, you can, you can consider the extreme values that will characterize your event. And so, for example, you know that as task one, two, and three, for example, in the case of the project management, uh, you know that task one, two, and three are rel relatively complex. And so instead of a week, they can take, for, for example, between five and 10 days. And while task four, five, and six can are much easier. And so the likelihood uh, of these projects, of these tasks to be completed in less than seven days is uh, definitely higher than the first three tasks. So you can find, you know, you can set up this kind of reasoning, but then after you have set up these extremes, you let a simulator do the hard work for you, which is trying all these possible scenarios that you can generate out of these extreme conditions and see how many times that particular project has been accomplished or completed under or before the deadline. I hope this is clear and clear enough for you to consider this for your next project. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to join our Slack community, datascienceathome.slack.com. You will find the invite link in the show notes of this episode. See you there. You've been listening to Data Science at Home podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean to get new fresh episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at datascienceathome.com.